Hello and welcome to The Side Characters, a podcast about cultural diversity and nerd culture. I'm Jordan. I'm Leah. I don't know if it's the delay, but it was very funny. I'm Jordan. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) That's the sound of distance across an entire ocean. There's an ocean between us. Anyways. If you listen closely, you can hear the ocean through the wires. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Wow, your ocean was (laughs) your ocean was sad. Wish wish anyways, guys, we're like kind of back. Ish. Yeah, we're trying. Ish. We're trying. We're not gone. We we're alive. I mean, I I did post this our last one. Like, we're alive and we are like working on stuff. But part of it is one of us is studying for their PhD, and the other one of us is working a job where he has to travel nearly every week. So there's very little downtime. Like, if you listen to both of these shows, both of my shows, then you'll like see that both World Shop and um side characters and even we belong have been like on a very weird delayed schedule so yeah yeah, that's we're not dead we're just delayed yeah well and it happened that like i was the one because japan and then and then i was back and then jordan was like "Hmm, no my boss is not letting me and so i was like okay and then jordan's like great i'm back and i was like well it's too late (laughs) it's too too late to apologize anyways we're gonna try we're i mean look we have episodes written we just need to find we the time do. to finalize a release. And what's going to so. happen, it, so everybody knows, is here's how Leah's schedule works. It goes, Jordan, a Thursday, please, can we record this weekend? And he goes, uh, yes. And I'm like, great, that's all the warning you can get. You go, is it, can we record? It's like, okay, how about Sunday? Because that's all I got. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's lovely. But we've got stuff. We've got a plan. Yeah, um, we got some fun episodes coming up, and I'm going to force Leah to read something that I like, so I can't wait. Yeah, there's we've got some plans. We've got some potential guests. Hopefully me saying it out loud will force us to actually get guests. That's not how that works. I'm going to knock on wood. And yeah, we hopefully we'll have some interesting stuff to talk about, you know. Because the summer was very fruitful for fandom. Yeah, and we've actually been talking about fandom quite a bit back and forth for the last, like, week. Yeah, we found something we kind of have taken different sides on, but also are saying the exact same thing. It's weird. We, we, the thing is, I agree with what you're saying. It's just from what I have seen, I have seen it differently. I know, yeah, it's fine. It's, we're working anyways, out. We're working out. So, anyways. speaking of things that we probably mostly agree on, today's yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, other than, like, I'm going to find some way to disagree with you throughout this, but today's oh. episode. What are, what are we talking about today, Leah? We're talking about something I found via TikTok, because that's what most of this season will be. Hey, look at this thing I found via TikTok, Jordan. That's what most of our friendship has become over the last, like, few months. It's like, hey, Jordan, look at the thing I found on TikTok. It's like, okay, I'm at work now, but I'll, like, look at it in, like, three days. Look, look, let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's not my fault. It's Glenn's fault. Anybody who's listened to the high characters before knows it, knows her from that. It's her fault. I can't wait to meet and yell at her. Yeah, you're going to do that soon. It's very exciting. Um, I've determined what I have an image in my mind of what your interaction will be like in person, and it's glorious. Um, but anyways, what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about this awesome 
tabletop RPG role-playing game called Wander Home. Yay! I'm gonna, okay, so, so yeah, I was gonna say, Leah, just pause for a second. I will put in a long, like, cheering applause because I do have that sound effect queued up, so I'll put that in there. Excellent, beautiful. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, yeah, Wander Home is a tabletop role playing game for people who don't know. That's the wider general term for like what D&D falls under or the Stranger Things thing. If you know the people in your life need to use that. But like D&D is a type of tabletop role playing game. Wander Home is one of those. It's written yeah, by. But it's filled with more Satanism than D&D. So if you give this to your kids, they will become possessed like in that movie Insidious. Jordan, they I mean, don't know what it is yet to be able to get that joke. We'll get there. You said the Stranger Things thing. That, that game That's they play D&D. in Stranger Things. That's D&D. Yeah, no. Anyways. Okay. All right. But it's written by Jay Dragon, which love that last name. Yeah, as I was going to say, I was, love that name. Yeah. And it's... um called it's labeled as a pastoral fan i shouldn't put the book in front of the mic i'm holding the book because it's beautiful um pastoral fantasy role-playing game tabletop role-playing game and let me pull up the thing i got on it it's yeah it's a pastoral role-playing game um about talking animal folk world where they inhabit and the way the seasons change it's a game filled with grassy fields mossy shrines herds of chubby bumblebees opossums in sundresses salamanders in suspenders starry night skies and the most beautiful sunsets you can ever imagine is the way it's described i like to describe it as um to my friends when i'm trying to get them to play it with me as uh you know redwall which if you don't know redwall it's written by somebody jacques brian jacques um brian jakes yeah or jocks yeah jakes jocks jakes who the frick cares jacques, i think he's french anyways um and uh it's it's a combo of redwall and Studio Ghibli, if they had a baby, and it's a role-playing game, it's super fucking cute. <laughs> that that's that's my description, Jordan. I do like. Sorry, I gotta make fun of you, but I do like how you're like, oh, they might not know what D D is, but they'll definitely know what Redwall is. You know what? <laughs> like, okay, dude, come on, priorities. Hey, D D is, is one of the way- fastest growing like games in ever yeah, and like but also redwall Red is kind of dying <laughs> redwall was such like a childhood thing because so there could be people who are only hearing about D now but who read redwall as a child and in case people if you don't... are the redwall fan who's come to this podcast to get some hot takes on redwall please email us at sidecharacterspod at gmail.com i will All put right. the link in the description so if you are okay. the redwall fan sole redwall fan not like oh yeah i also like redwall if like redwall's your thing email us all right, all right. I have okay, to I'm gonna say, stop roasting I know that it, I know that at least one of our listeners is a Redwall fan and didn't know D and D until I introduced them to it. So, or whatever, you know what I'm saying. Didn't play it, I, whatever. Anyways, so yeah, it's it's basically a tabletop RPG, a TTRPG that's like based on like collaborative storytelling, and um, you play as animal folk. And it, the book and everything related to it has the most beautiful artwork you will ever see. Uh, and we'll try and post pictures of the artwork um, when we post this episode on our Twitter or something like that. Because 
my god, it's so gorgeous. It's so cute and adorable, and there's like, there's like mushroom peoples, and like, like my favorite is this one where it's a badger who's like an old, like an older man badger, and he has under his wing this teeny little cat who looks like a hobbit with curly hair and has a knife, and it's so cute. <laughs> so yeah, everything about this is just adorable yeah no and i will say that was like the standout so leah had introduced me to this um a long while ago at this point um but that was like the first draw for me was the artwork itself it's very very pretty artwork and very unique art style and i think it like makes good for like an rpg like this because like when you look at a DD or some of the more fantasy stuff it is a very specific art style especially in the DD books but uh, Wonder Home has its own kind of idea of what that looks like. And I like that a lot. Well, and I, I think as well, like, uh, part of this comes from my childhood reading of Redwall, which Redwall, in case you didn't know, is a series where there's anthropomorphized animals and there's a whole, like, world adventure thing. It's a whole thing. Um, it's and- like if Lord of the Rings was animals and not hobbits. Yeah, kind basically- of. Let's boil it down to its most basic form. It's just a, like, grand um, fantasy with animal people. Yeah, a little less high stakes than Lord of the Rings. But, yes, mainly, like, I think the first two books are about mice, largely. But there's, like, yeah, the bad guys. The bad guys are polecats. There's badgers. There's polecats. Ferrets. Yeah. Yeah. Weasels. and, and, And I found that on, like... On Instagram and stuff like that, I tend to, I tend to already follow people who do art like that. Like I follow, oh my god, what are they? Abby, Abby, Instagrams. (laughs) Well, my Instagram has multiple different segments to it, as you must know. But one of them is like Rivulet Paper, who does anthropomorphized animals. Probably everybody's seen them because they went viral at one point. Of like, you know, like a barred mouse on us on a rock or something like that and like birds with walking sticks and like also like i follow like the mushling people the people who do like the cute animated mushrooms and stuff like that so like that's an art style that i love and that kind of follows with this wander home art style and drew me to it largely but then stayed because of how the game works okay so i feel like that's the fun segue directly into how does this game work yeah how does the game work so 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 kind of want to discuss like some of the things that pop up within it like the discussion of rules what 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 is within this book because like with D &D, and especially those who don't somehow don't know what D D is like these tabletop RPGs, what pretty much it boils down to is like sitting down at a table, getting a character sheet, and then talking through an adventure and having like playing as your character and having them interact within a world. So, um, a lot of times, in you could interject whatever you yeah, want yeah. in this looking at her book. Yeah, <laughs> a lot I, of no, times in these, the, the, this is pretty much left up to either the dm or an already guided playthrough but a lot of times going there's a lot of the content can go i don't know either way so one thing that kind of stands out about wander home to me at least is the setup and how there is a specific section on what is called safety rules and leah if you want to explain what safety yeah 
Well, and I was just gonna like in in this one in in the, like general is one of the things with Wander Home just before we get to the safety rules is that like you can go for as little or as long as you want, and you can build a character there or you can build it on your own. And there's a lot of like whatever. And I think that we should say this even before this, even though we're gonna talk about it later. There's no combat system in this game. There's no combat system, and I think that's important for people to know because it leads into the vibes that it's trying to, like, achieve. And that goes into the safety rules, which you would think, safety rules, combat system, no, absolutely not. Basically, one of the most important parts of Wander Home is the fact that there are, like, a bunch of safety rules introduced into the game when you're doing it. Um, and they're called journeying tools, and basically what they, there's, they give you these tools to which to... Um, talk to the people you're playing with and indicate like things you're uncomfortable with that you want to do something different stuff like that and they're simple little sentences like let's do this instead so when you're on your journey doing whatever you're doing you suggest something else instead provide alternative paths um do we want to where you're asking everybody and encouraging everyone to participate and maybe that you're not sure what you want to do uh where to next to let other people have an opportunity or to like open it up to the floor. What do you think? Um, and to get everyone involved, make sure everybody's okay. Hold on. And specifically they have no. And talk about the fact that you should be allowed to say no. And what I really like about this is that these are what a lot of people have when they're playing D&D and has become like a big thing within D&D, particularly over like, I felt like this summer there was a large discussion about safety rules and the fact that these are like baked into it is really good and really helpful because it like lends to the type of experience that you're meant to be having with people is that it's supposed to be a thing about communication and 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 how that works so i guess in so these tabletop okay i you did this to me by the way yeah. If you haven't played D&D, these tabletop RPGs and like games like Dungeons and Dragons, etc., are distinctly like collaborative. It's and some people get their wires crossed based on how they approach it, but it is supposed to be an adventure that you work through with the dungeon master or like the game master or whatever, and then a team of people. You're all supposed to interact and build this world, build the story, build the interactions together. And I think that a lot of times, especially when I've played D&D, &D, you've heard me talk about yeah. my woes through playing D&D. I've yelled quite a bit about them. Um, is that there's a disconnect sometimes between like a game master, sometimes between um, players of what they want, and there's not really a communication of that. So say yeah. a dungeon master wants to run a game a certain way or has like content that he or she or they want to put into the game that not everybody's comfortable with, sometimes that just gets forced in and people are pretty much shoehorned into having to do that. What these safety rules help provide is a safe place for everybody. If you're uncomfortable with something, you can say that, or you guys can gather what you want out of this game. And that's something that I think just in general in every game should be discussed first because I have been put in Dungeons and Dragons situations where I am not getting what I want out of the game. Yeah. And I think that safety rules in like talking that and like 
like you said, if there's something you're uncomfortable with, having the safe place to stop and be like, hey, can we do something else is very important for a game like this. Yeah. And I think it's funny because there's a comparison that can be made to actual role play as in kink based sexual intimate role play where stop that (laughs) (laughs) no one can see me uh god i hate you so much um (laughs) you're making this difficult it's a serious topic anyways um that in actual role play you need to have consent you need to be informed. You need to talk about what's happening beforehand. And you need to know what will require to stop. And most people who do that know that. And the same is actually very true for tabletop role playing. Is that you should be informed before you go in. You should consent to the stories that are being told. And if you're not comfortable with them, you should be allowed to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with them. And in a way that's easy to say, structured is better. Um, and like, it's well, yeah, a very it's similar like the idea, thing. It's like the idea of if I was going to hang out with a bunch of friends or people I don't really know what their likes or tastes, and just immediately do Curse of Strahd as my D and D campaign with them, like because that is, is Curse Curse of Strahd is a a horror based um, campaign, and not everybody's okay with a lot of stuff that happens in that. And, yeah. Um, and and, and, and that, that's the thing, like ha- having the space to talk to both the players and have the players like open up and talk to you about what they like, what they're OK with. I think that that comes in because like not everything works for everybody. Well, and this is the thing. There was a debate over the summer on TikTok where apparently some people were freaking out that their DM required them to f- fill out consent forms. And and well, I personally don't have the need to do consent forms i'm absolutely okay with that i am totally okay with that as a structured thing if that's how you want to do it that's great but the fact people were freaking out that that shouldn't happen is indicative of not very good things it's not very inclusive because there are things that are triggering to some people and it's important to do that and also this is important to me this is important to say is that if you are a player and your dm ask you what your triggers are or what things you are uncomfortable with and then and you express them to them and then they proceed to use them to make more fraught gameplay more tension you need to get up and leave because that's a horrible human being (laughs) that's wrong and completely not okay to do and I think it's important to say that because you, you should never you should never share something like that and then it be used against and you. Have it, oh, absolutely. Because if someone's going to use that against you, they clearly do not care about you and do not yeah. care about your triggers. But the, but the thing I was going to get at is like it's I yeah. I don't necessarily think that consent forms for tabletops are always necessary things like that. But I think that something like that or having a discussion beforehand on triggers all that. It's necessary because there are people, I mean, I'm a very loud and boisterous person as Leah and everybody who meets me knows, but there are some people who are not comfortable with always speaking up or always being the first one to say and giving people a space to do that is necessary sometimes because like sometimes if you do something, some people are perfectly like or not some people are not comfortable with saying something like you go through a topic about like maybe like torture or like whatever or 
abuse or anything else and someone's uncomfortable but they're not comfortable speaking to you for whatever reason that may be so i think creating an open floor to have someone do that is it's great that's that's a great thing and have that built into the game itself helps because not yeah. every body is attuned to that to know to automatically do those things and that doesn't make them a bad person that just makes it's like there are some things that we have to learn about as we go on yeah and I like as someone jordan used the example of curse of strad i am running a campaign on curse of strad yeah that's why I and, brought it up. <laughs> yeah and i did a session zero of my first ever one and it was in it was intensive to like i tried to cover everything possible and we've had like check-ins along the way as well of what people are okay with and basically it helped inform my narration style of what i should avoid talking about versus what i can talk about because in horror settings you want to build up drama. You want to make fraught gameplay. But however, you shouldn't do that at the expense of people's uncomfortableness. But I can tell you, and Jordan knows, having me described it, I have made my players incredibly uncomfortable, but not through means that they have said that they are not okay with. So yeah. it's that it's that matter is that it helps inform that. And this is and by having this baked in, it 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 makes it so that everybody knows like the direction you're working with and like that's another thing within the beginning section of this game it's very much about like setting what type of experience you want to have and i think that's like ingenious because i don't think like any raw D rules have a good enough discussion of like what is a session zero like what should yeah. you be covering in that like um talking with your players about tone and stuff like that and so because also the fact is is that if you go into a, a group and you haven't played with them before and you realize that everybody's murder hobos except for you who is a goddamn role player then maybe you're not going to get along with that group and you want to learn that before you start playing with them yeah yeah no i in i've done DD before without doing a session zero and it always ends up horrible mm -hmm. it's always a bad thing to not do a session zero and set ground rules and set what okay here's what we're going to be covering here's our characters here's how we like to play here's what we like that's always a good thing to do don't go into any tabletop without doing a session zero please yeah yeah Sorry, I so, gotta just hammer that in because I've no. had so many negative experiences. Jordan's <laughs> had so many negative experiences. So and, many. Mo and I've only had one and a half good D&D experiences. Yeah, and and mine are that every time I've had one, it's helped me. And it, yeah. and it helps me a lot. So Be, be a Leah, don't be a Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah, I've heard other people's experiences too. But yeah, that's that's the safety rules, and that a little aside of the that's what Wander Home is. The other thing, Wander Home, yeah, it's the token system, and I'm not just talking about how I interact with my friends. Ha 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 ha! Sorry, I just thought of that joke, and I needed to get to it before you passed through. So yeah, there is yeah. a token system in Wander Home. Again, Leah, what's that about? <laughs> So, yeah, within this was the thing that was the most confusing because we played Jordan and I have played this once and it was the most confusing thing for us. But basically you get you get tokens for doing certain things and then you can use those tokens. You spend those tokens 
because also Wander Home is a diceless game. You spend those tokens to take action. And I think the best way is for, we have someone who we found a website that describes it. In other games that use this framework, such as uh, Excellent Dream Askew and Dreams Apart, these tokens incentivize you to play your character's flaws, to make them uh, trip up or to act selfishly to enhance the drama. So committed to wa- committed is Wander Home to pastoral idealism, however, that it reframes the entire mechanic into something softer. You don't get a token when you promise something you can't possibly deliver or blunder into a bad situation unprepared, but when you give away something you hold dear, pause for a moment and get some rest. Or my personal favorite, take a moment to watch a tiny mo- tiny moment of beauty and describe it to the table. And so that's how so, you... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, go on. Oh, I was like, that's how you get tokens in this game. Yeah, and I was going to give an example. So my character, I, I played the character class of Vagabond, and my character was um, a compulsive liar and kind of a shady person. And so, and this didn't happen when we were playing because I never really had the chance to. Um, but player, sorry, I think I would or I would give a player a token for answering the question, answering yes to the question, do you trust me? Because it's like, yeah, trusting my character and like fully like having their big, oh yeah, I do trust you and I do like believe that you're going to do what you say is like a big thing for my character to obtain because like I am a shady person, a very, very shady person. Yeah. And then you take the tokens that you've earned to spend things to do big things, like to find ways to help people and- other things like that where otherwise you might have to talk to someone and find a different way around it um for example again um yeah this came in hand in um play during our game was when we were trying to um get a small child down from a cliff um to safely execute our plan we spent a token we still didn't really know how to use tokens but we spent a token to like basically say i'm gonna climb up and like do blah 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 blah, and we're gonna use this token because this is a potentially dangerous thing yeah so like successfully saying that he climbed the the wall of this cave and sheer slick wall i was able to climb it because i am a liar but i'm also very nimble (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's the like main mechanics i think of that is the tokens but um getting past that is just the other aspects of it which is that there's like how do you have this world And the thing about it is that you start by, like, creating a character. And then you make a character called Kith, which are basically the NPCs of the game. And they, like, fill the world around you. So so, so the thing, like, with, like, a D&D Dungeons & Dragons campaign book, or, like, with Dungeons & Dragons, the world is created and pretty well defined. Um, But with Wander Home, it's more of an idea of what the world is. So when you go into these campaigns and stuff, you as a team, not just the DM, unless you're doing a completely guided campaign, you as a team come up with um, the environment, the NPCs, the kith, like all of this is like a collaborative. So when we played this together, we like sat down and like went through the things like, okay, so we're going to name like three different areas and the book helps guide you on how to 
to build these certain areas. So yeah. we had like a marshland. We had like a like plains and farm area. We had like caves, cave system, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it like talks you through how to make it. But you yeah. make the world. You fill and out you, the world. Yeah. And basically what it gives you, instead of giving you exactly like what it needs to be, they can operate exactly like as marshland. What they give you is terms that can be used in environmental terms, which is like a swamp. And then they use an example in the book that the swamp doesn't have to be an actual swamp. It could be a metaphorical swamp. And like, what is it that makes your character stuck there? And so there's like you get different things that make up an environment and then you create that environment and think about it and then you write it down. And that's the thing is that you can then use those environment based cards to like guide who gets to play what, who gets control of it, who gets to role play those out. And the same with the kith. We, you get things to brainstorm them. There's a huge list of traits. And um, those traits can either be just like gentle type traits. Or there are a list of traits that are slightly magical. Or there are traits that are like considered like traumatic traits. Which lead to a very different gameplay experience. And you take those traits to build characters and make characters out of them. And then you write them down and then you give them a name and then you and then you'd be like, who would like to use them? Who would like to be this person and that experience? Which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um so what exactly was the Kith again? That's the one thing I'm not really remembering. The Kith Kith is uh NPCs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but and, and I like that the way the walkthrough of like making NPCs because like I mean Especially, so we'll get to it a little bit later, but we did a more collaborative playthrough where it was a team of us, team of us, three of us, making up, like, the world, what campaign we wanted to play, et cetera, et cetera, and not, like, a guided, like, one person comes up with. And usually when playing, like, Dungeons & Dragons and other um, tabletop stuff, it's exactly that, where, like, the world is already divided. Like, in Dungeons & Dragons, the world is pretty defined there's certain like you can come up with different areas and come up with different things but like you have the towns and have the cities and have things set out and certain like um the gods and you have like tiamat and all of that but this was like coming up with like everything and we came up with like the small island and came up with where our people were from and why we were there and i and i thought that was a cool way of doing it so everybody really felt involved yeah, yeah. And, I, and I do think that as someone who likes structure, it was slightly daunting to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, and I feel like with more practice, it could be it could be more fun for me who likes structure. Um, but like it was a great time because then these characters started developing and these environments started developing uh, personalities of their own. And that was really interesting. Um but yeah, there's so there's a bunch of different types, and I already described how you make kith, but there's also like they use structured like playbooks for how you make your own characters, which some people did beforehand. I did on my own. <laughs> I did right there in the in the moment. Which you use playbooks that basically like tell what type of person you are, and you can choose any of them. And there's stuff like um there's stuff like the caretaker. The caretaker pays attention and tends to small and forgotten gods, helping each one find a home. The exile, banished from their homeland, the exile travels, travels through the hearth, the world that this place is set, um, looking for somewhere they can take in that can take them in and heal them. The firelight 
Uh, firelight is accompanied by a firefly that lights their path and helps guide people through the world. Oh, hold on, really quick. Could I do mine? My, my favorite, yeah. which was the Vagabond, yeah. which I'll read this and everybody who knows me will be like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. This is just Jordan as a character. The Vagabond was once convicted by a faraway and cruel authority and has been forced to reinvent themselves on the road. And I'm God, like, that's, that's so exactly great. what I want to play. <laughs> yeah. Like the Moth Tender, who is basically the world's postal workers. Um, like, it's just, it, there are these little, like, things, and while you're making the characters, you get to make choices, and you, like, get descriptive terms, and it starts out with, like, choose a couple of these you like, choose one or two of these you like, and then it goes on to, like, phrases and questions for each playbook that's, like, choose something you like and choose something you don't like about this, that you want to be true about your character, and it leads to this, like, very interesting experience of how you make a character that's a, that's really flexible and like also can like have a very differing experience like they talk about also nice thing they talk about like hey there's gendered language in here you don't have to use it um and stuff like that or they like there's some specific ones if you want something specific but also like at the end of i think jordan's it says you can be a sneaky type animal like, so that there's, it's still vague enough that if you want to be something completely radically different, you can. Yeah. And it was, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and and so, like, the thing I, I was kind of thinking, I was like, so this is mostly pretty, like, like, like Leah said, there's no combat and stuff like that. But, like, you can form whatever campaign you kind of want to do with it. And or one as of the short that, or as long as you want. Yeah. Long and short, but it doesn't have to be like, you know, like, because D&D usually is like higher stakes, like you're fighting like dragons and demons and stuff like that. But like this, you can do more of like a like a nice pastoral thing or like an adventure thing or like you're hunting for treasure. There's no combat. So there's not specifically a, um, a, I guess, high stakes, high risk thing. But like the thing that I really liked in this super pastoral um, game is like one of the options for... Um, one of the options for the vagabond is like choose two crimes you've been falsely accused of and two you're actually guilty of. But within that, it was um, killing your king, killing a god. And I was like, yeah. I kind of want to say I killed a god, but I, I'm not going to because we're not. That's not the type of game we're playing right now. Yeah, and that there are some like distinctive themes, and like we've mentioned, the pastoralism of like mm. just like commonplace experiences, which is what we were doing because it was our first time. But like we like also there's hints here and there and in the writing of like places where you can make it more in depth and have more meaning. But also they give you the option to not do that because sometimes you don't want a high stakes game. Sometimes you just want to get lost in the world of little animal folk. But other themes that I think were like pretty prevalent. Uh, also in that bigger themes thing, one of the things you do in the environments is you create lore and you create folk tales, and I really yeah. like that section because some of them are like very minimal, like something about the Apple Girl or something like that. Yes, but like the some Apple of them, girl. some of them sound like they could be like, "My God, this is a demon from another plane," like type shit. Like not that exactly. Because or there the aren't woman any in the white dress. Who yeah, sings the songs like, "Oh, what's up with that woman in the white dress, dude?" <laughs> yeah, but like some of the themes I that they list are like nature, and the other ones that are two of the biggest ones that come up anytime you read about this are trauma and healing. Yes, and 
that's a big thing in this one is that it's meant to be an experience where you are finding solutions to small problems or you're finding how to live your life as a person again. And so you can deal with those things of like, what's happening with my character and how do they need to grow as a person? And they talk about this too in like, sometimes you'll find that your character is done and that character wants to stay where it is and it's found the thing that's healed it and then you need to make a new one and that's okay. And that's completely fine. And like, yeah, it's this is like balance of like, of, of pastoral, like ease, but also as a person who lives in an incredibly stressful world, that pastoral ease that I was really enjoying from our session is healing for the real people. But it can also be working through that trauma and healing in game as well, however you want to do it which is really cool. And the other yeah. thing that I think is another theme that we didn't get to because we're not doing a campaign, which they emphasize really strongly that you can do however long or short you want. Yeah. You can pick up characters and go. It can be a session that's an hour. It can be like years, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And like you can, that there's a segment for when you're doing longer campaigns of time, change over time. And the system of the seasons adds in some more complexity to what's happening. And that leads to change and stress and what happens under at those changes in those times is really interesting. I would love to be able to play that more extensively because that seemed really cool. I don't know. It's a very interesting game. They like set it up for a lot of things that you like. They give you a lot of space world wise. And I think that D&D, at least character like like playing wise, not DMing. D and D gives you more space of what to do character wise and like yeah. how to form like the characters and the world around the characters. But I, I think that um, this game does a good job of like forming the world with you and how you play in it. If that yeah. makes any sense, I think yeah, and I, you know, I I think that it's it's that. You might not have as big a picture of who your character is going in. You won't have a 50 page. You shouldn't have a 50 page backstory almost like it, that's like not required at all. Yeah, in even this. in DD, if you have a 50 page background, guys, you need to dial that back a little bit. Anyways, go on. <laughs> but like that's the thing that happens in D&D. Jordan knows he's read some of my backstories. They can be intricate. You still leave space. You still leave space for your DM. Yes, absolutely. But like so often... People walk into D&D with a character who is existing. They're a character who has an experience and has a lived life and it's there. And it's part of them. Yeah. When often new players particularly don't know how to create, they don't know how to roleplay that. They don't know how to create those lived characters. Those characters who feel already alive before they've even walked into a game. My god, I have so many of those sitting in my D&D Beyond folder. Um, but it's like that's hard for new players to do and wander home takes it and goes actually why don't we just role play from the get-go and create these characters as we go and i feel like for me at least the experience felt more like you're developing a character's personality as you're walking along with them which is a different way to conceive it yeah. yes yeah no I, I, <laughs> no i'm just i was taking in what you were saying ah. no but i but I, I absolutely agree and um yeah and lastly, note on themes, um, God Slaying Quest, always my yeah. favorite. 
Yeah. I like when you yeah. completely destroy the world. Um, <laughs> so now I guess we've talked here and there about it, but I guess we'll get a little bit into like our experience so we we played this game did one session with um, one of leo's friends um just the three of us we we did the whole collaborative playthrough rather than like having a guy like one of us come up with like a little short story campaign and we just kind of figured it out and that was it was fun i i enjoyed it um yeah i guess do you want to start with like talking through your character playbook or how, how do you sure do yeah well and i did mine on the spot because yeah. i was an idiot and no 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 you were an idiot i was afraid that you were gonna like be ready to go and like and i was like i don't want like to be the guy who like holds back my friend from playing this game that they've been talking about so I'm like i gotta have my whole well, thing figured out i gotta come to the spot because i don't want to be like i don't know what i'm doing and my friend's just like well jordan we were supposed to have no, a five-page biography. no and then i come to the thing and leah's like, like i didn't do this yet i'm like oh Ooh, I'm I, not letting you I, down. <laughs> I wasn't clear in my instructions where I was, uh, what I meant was, hey, can everybody pick a playbook, which there's a bunch of different playbooks. And I was like, can you pick one so that you have one in mind for when we go in? What I didn't communicate was that you should go through, that was interpreted is that you should go through it and do it and complete the character. Instead, my mind was pick a playbook and we'll do it there. That's what I did. No one else did that. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. me and your friend who I don't know if you want to name drop or not. We like came ready to go. We were both just like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And you're like, I haven't done this yet. And we're both just like, oh, what? (laughs) I got much judgment, but it's, it was nice because there's like prompts and choices. And like, I knew what like my animal form was going to be and my name, at least that. And then Uh, Leah knew what her first soda was. (laughs) Oh my God, please. No. (laughs) My God. But yeah, you get to make choices about what you're doing. And like, I ended up being a firelight, which are those are the ones that have a firefly. Polis cat, if you don't know what they are, look them up. Um, and named, named Pip, she, her. And, uh, I like got to describe what I looked like. I had patchwork work pants, a reliable wooden staff, box of medical supplies, shining eyes, and a small knife. My personality was here for everyone, endlessly patient, not a good judge of character, and not constantly correct. Um, And I have a firefly who who is my friend, and like he's luminescent, and I rescued them from a bush when they were small, and they're wise and nervous, and um, they live in a rusted lantern that my my mother gave me before and used before. why does this say a pack of smacks? What does this say? I don't know what this says. Anyways, Bro, skipping past what? that. Um, but yeah, it was it's and like there's things I'm told that I can always do. Like I can always pet my firefly and illuminate all around me. And I can say things like watch your step and stuff like that. And so yeah, that's that's my character. So I don't have my character sheet right in front of me and I'm not going to be able to go through in the sheer amount of le- detail that Leah did, but I will I will walk you through. So I did the vagabond. Uh, my character was if I remember correctly was um, either just a normal fox or a finnick fox. Um, very tall, slinky woman, very very mysterious, but her whole traits were like she was a liar and a cheat. 
obviously someone you would see like in this world would be like, oh yeah, that's a bad guy. <laughs> like that person's <laughs> going to try to steal your money and like like oh like they're the kind of person like oh do you want to play a game, little child? And then like oh yeah, pick a card, any card. It's always you, no matter which, what, you're always going to pick the wrong card. Yeah, I went for the bad guy. Yes, Leah. <laughs> which is which was very funny because both me and the friend we were playing with were like very like not trusting, not gullible, but just like kind of like reliable like okay people you know like oh, yeah. all right and so we like kind of <laughs> just went along with them yeah or 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 you just got like kind of like silently bullied into doing what we wanted <laughs> yes exactly fine um but, but yeah so um and then like my whole thing was um getting exiled from a previous kingdom because of a crime that didn't commit and just kind of trying to live in this world and make a new name for myself and all of that not trustworthy at all but like will defend their friends and and, and i just I, I like the idea of in this like cute pastoral world that there are still like people like that that exist like not necessarily i'm not like a chaotic evil going to murder your family type person but someone who's down on their luck someone who was presented with a um, lifestyle reality that was in a negative form and they have to live with this and finding people who aren't necessarily like them but still willing to give them a chance and i just like playing from that aspect it was like I'm yeah. on a venture with these two quiet. Um, I think your friend was a capybara um, yes. farmer type person, and yes. yeah, you were like the moth tender, and I was a no, thief. I was and a I, firefly, firelight, firelight. I don't. Uh, I guess fire and light. I thought moth. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. But but yeah, and I I, I just I I liked the idea of that especially in the type of world that we were building so like the other part of the experience was like well like i, I said mm, what yes at, mm. well, i was gonna say after the character creation we had to build the world and the kit and i yeah well and i was gonna say that it was like it w took a long time it took longer than we thought it would and i think just because we weren't prepared uh for the collaborativeness of it and I thought that they hated it. <laughs> I thought that both both the people hated it. I will okay. So so now we're gonna like we're gonna air grievances on air. So I didn't hate it per se, but I did think to a point, and that's what what I was gonna get into. Is like we had to like we went the collaborative route of like building our world, NPCs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like we built this all on the spot and i don't think it was necessarily i hated it but more it was kind of like an awkward transition almost or it was just kind yeah. of like a well what are we supposed to be doing or getting out of this and like not really knowing what either of the other two that i was playing with wanted and so like we're sitting there just like trying to figure out the environment of the world we're just like what are we even doing here? So, so there was like a, a to me, it wasn't a hate, but to me, there was like an air of awkwardness. Yeah, it was clearly a we hadn't been doing it. I will say that at the end of the thing, well, I was like, okay, this is what's interesting. I enjoyed it, but maybe not as much as I enjoyed D&D. Both of them seemed to really enjoy the experience a lot, which I was like, oh, this is this is it's surprising for me because I thought that you guys didn't like it. But it was clear that I think that you guys liked Wander Home even more than I did. I liked 
again, airing grievances on air. Um, but I, I liked that it was. I liked the more collaborative stuff. I liked that we were able to kind of just talk. Because, and like I said, and you know this more than anybody um, like listening to the show, but I have gone through some D&D campaigns that have been fairly railroady, where I've come up with a character that I really liked and I really wanted to play and then was not able to play that because the DM was just like, no, we're going to play my story my way and you just have to act act it out how I want. And getting to kind of create the world and we kind of like, on a storytelling perspective, like we each had times when we kind of like, did part of the story and built things and being able to take, have the freedom just like to create part of this world in the story that we were going to go through. Like um, what happened in the game was we were looking for a lost child. We'll get to more of that in a second, but we were looking for a lost child and we came up to this area with like some caves and I was able to describe the caves, describe what it was like going through them. And that, that was fun being able to give the, have the freedom to kind of create along with you guys. I appreciate it. And I appreciate it that it's not a game that shoehorns you into one person's idea or perspective. Which I'm not I can saying go- that's all Dungeons and Dragons is. I'm saying that's been my no, experience. They, yes, in your Dungeons experience. Which I think at the end, after we go over the story, I'll talk more on that because there was, I have some, in, I have some insights on for myself personally, um, and go into the things that we both agreed on at the end of it. Um, yeah. But the story, do you want to tell it or do you want me to tell it? Um, You can tell it. So basically what... No, no, no. We basically ended up deciding that we were on an island. And the one thing I will say, Wanderhome tells you not to focus on the reason you're traveling together. Which is hard to do when you come from a D&D setting and you're like, well, why are we traveling together? Um, Is the fact... this thief know these two farmers? What? Yeah, exactly. Like, why? Why? Um, So we went to... We were on an island... And we showed up at this island, and the, my favorite theme of the entire night, there was there was a bunch of seagulls who lived there, and I can't remember the other person, another type of bird or something like that? I don't know. But they ran a crab farm. That was a thing, is that, like, bugs tend to be what's farmed, and they ran a crab farm, and they were the biggest crab farm on the island. There was a rival crab farm run by penguins on the other side of the island. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and we were laughing so hard when we were creating the rival crab farm. That's so funny. (laughs) The crabs just became a whole thing and lobsters for no reason, for no reason, (laughs) for no reason. Crabs and lobsters. And we were talking about pies and stuff too. Oh, it was great. So this woman was like, oh yeah, the ferry boat man, his son was supposed to be bringing me ingredients for this dish that I'm making he hasn't been back all day though can you go find him and so we're like okay we'll go look for him and so we end up going through like these planes which I pictured in my head being kind of like uh, uh, Cornwall like Cornwall type plane things and we were looking around for them and we came across the rival crab and lobster farm run by penguins and then we realized that they were the boy was in a cave we followed his tracks into a cave system um which uh jordan we were like suddenly we're like yes there's caves it was was very funny um and we wandered through the caves uh with um our friends bumble bumble sheep um and found where this kid was stuck up a waterfall 
Don't know how he got there, but he was. And we ended up getting him down and him, like, falling into the arms of the capybara in the water and uh, recreating that moment of a capybara underneath the waterfall looking ecstatically happy. Um, And then took them back and they fed us crab pie, I think, or fish pie. And Disgusting. and that was it. <laughs> they fed us fish pie. Disgusting. Just oh, just well, fish and in a pie. Yeah, just and apple it, pie, but replace the apples with fish. You still have all the sugar and everything. It's just oh it's god, just, no, no. <laughs> um, aesthetic. Um, but yeah, it was it was that was the experience, and it uh, it was really nice. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, should we go on to our major thought? Um, no. <laughs> What do you mean? Go on to our main... Well, no! I, I, is nothing else in the no! story? That, that was no! the story. Anyways, yeah, that was the story. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, well, I will... Let's go on to our major thoughts. Yes. So the one thing for me was that I I liked it. But for me, I miss the structure of D&D. Absolutely. Um, I struggle with something being not structured. Um. And this actually definitely relates to me as a person and how I like play video games, which I think we've talked about before is the fact that I play a video game, like a big story, like I'm watching a movie. Like I play as a character, not myself. And so the fact is, is that there was so much that could happen was a struggle for me. And also that I was put somewhat in the lead position because it was my book. Yeah. and I had read the entire thing, was really hard for me at times. So, and I think what we kind of concluded between the three of us is that we'd want to do something in between, in between a guided and unguided that sounded really fun to us is that like, because Jordan's had such bad D&D experiences and he was like, this could be really cool with this like God Slayer stuff and these, and these little hints of things that he creates some setting pieces some plot points that can come up that we could sprinkle throughout but everybody else still collabs on the npcs and the environments and walking through them and describing them but just having someone who makes sure potentially that we would hit certain things that certain things would come up that might trigger for us to be able to move through a space because that would still provide some structure and take the stress off of people people's creativity in those moments. I agree because to a point like I felt like the the way it was set up is that there is no structure and I felt like without that we kind of had more than one moment where we were all three of us were kind of sitting there kind of like well what next and not that we need to be handheld and um guided through a full story but like there, there were times where it's like we're, we're coming up with this on the spot who is supposed to be coming up with this um how are we supposed to be what really do we do from here because we can be like oh yeah well you just find this boy and get him back but like how, how do we formulate the story and that's that's what i mean kind of like created that awkwardness at times where we would get to a point and then none of us would know what to do next and i know you could either confirm or deny this i know there were a few times where i just like okay now this happens and i just like just drove the pile like just pile drove it through 
Yeah, well, and there was points where I got tired. Yeah. I know that for sure. Where I was tired of talking, and so I needed someone else to take up the reins. And yeah. and so that needed to happen. I also get the vibes from the book and from our experience that this is definitely like a muscle that you have to work out. And like after a few sessions, we would feel really good doing this. We would get better at it and it would be yeah. more fun. Um, well, because of course this was the first and only time we ever played it. <laughs> yeah. So, but yes, I think that having slight structure would aid me better in the experience yeah um but overall i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the character development i really enjoyed those small moments that it gives you why does this game stand out and why is it important <laughs> reading straight from our notes today people it's funny because Leah has pointed this out the first time ever oh jordan's reading straight from our notes when Almost every episode, <laughs> I read straight from the notes sometimes, and Leah's never called it out before. But because most of the time, it feels... Just like say, why is it natural. important? <laughs> why is it important? That felt like you were reading a sentence that's written <clears throat> on a plaque. Okay. Here, here can, I, can I take it again? So, Leah, <laughs> yeah. why is this important? There we go. <laughs> that felt <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. Anyways, Jordan and I haven't talked a lot over the past couple months vis-a-vis Jordan's traveling all the time, which means we're rediscovering our dynamics with each other. <laughs> which is mostly I want to scream anyways. Leah, okay. Leah, please. <laughs> why yeah. is this important? Okay, so why is this important? I think, go th- throw the question back at you, Jordan. Why was Earthsea so important? <laughs> And I have an answer to throw back at you that's definitely not in our notes, but it's called nonviolence, Leah. What is nonviolence for 14? <laughs> ding, ding. $2,500. Well, okay, here. Now now to be completely serious, and I'll, I'll take yeah. the raise that you could take this from me. But I think that's one thing we called out a lot in our Earthsea episode was the fact that most of the problems were not well, um, most of the problems were not solved through violence and that's the thing that like is in Dungeons and Dragons like there was a extensive battle system in Dungeons and Dragons where like you have certain moves certain points spells all this like I know that my character if someone like tries to attack them I can immediately block and do like um a counterattack damage like that's all something that's very ingrained in that tabletop in most tabletops and also just in general like fantasy it's all about solving things through violence and I think that this kind of stands out to me at least and this is what I get from this question is it stands out to me because the game isn't driven by a fight system like Dungeons Dragons. It isn't driven through um, violence like other fantasies. Like there isn't huge wars happening. I'm not going to. I was a thief, but I wasn't like the type of person who was going to sneak up behind a guard, stab him in the spine, and like take his keys. Like that wasn't something that was part of the game. Um, and and it stands out because we can have this exploratory game or even a game with a godsling quest but not be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to slit someone's throat and drink their blood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think it's I think it, it also changes dynamics. Moving on directly from the slit their throat and drink their blood. Um, nope. Um, uh, that 
It changes how you think about things, too, which just brings back to a point I was telling someone earlier, actually about being having a baby. Um, <laughs> now I have to tell you, um, it's the idea is the idea that um, most doctors and nurses and whatever recommend that you use a midwife rather than use a doctor as your primary person when you're giving birth. Because the fact is, is that doctors are trained to have reactions that are assuming the worst and so often doctors have a higher rate of pregnant birth complications because as soon as they assume there's a problem they instantly move into that while midwives are trained to give birth to babies and so they uh, they try different solutions before calling a doctor and calling them in to have a c-section type thing and it's a difference of how you're trained this relates to this game is that yes how Leah please how does this relate (laughs) in D&D you assume that someone's gonna fuck you over you assume that the people who have come up to you in the middle of the night are bandits you assume that the goblins over there are gonna try and steal your wallet you assume if someone bumps into you in the street they're stealing something from you you assume because that's what you're taught to assume in D&D Wander home is not that. Wander home, no one is going to screw you over. Everyone is generally good. There are very, it says specifically, there are very, there's very few people who are evil and they're usually corrupted by some otherworldly force. And those are for those campaigns that have the God slaying, de- God slaying quests in them, which aren't the most typical one. It should be pastoral goodness. And it's nice to know that. And to know that you like, as someone who does like role playing, that I can do it with my friends and just talk it out, hash it out, yeah. do whatever mm-hmm. I want. Yeah, and and I and I like that part of it is just that it's more of a, it, it's it's a a creative writing exercise. It's a thinking problem rather than like, oh, I use these moves to do this, where it's like creative writing and building it but it's also like a critical thinking thinking problem of like well we do have this god slayer class there's not really a battle system so how are we going to approach this and i like that because you get to talk it out with friends rather than okay well i'm just gonna blast this with fireball because fireball is the strongest spell (laughs) and it's not always that there's going to be a higher stakes around the corner that killing this person will lead to something else whatever usually it's like hey my roof needs fixing. Can you help me? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't walk up to that person and draw and quarter them, no. Yeah, no. So <laughs> I feel like it it creates just like a completely different experience of how to do this, which I think a lot of people who really like the role-playing part of D&D, those conversations, the like, even the ec- mystery and the exploration part of it, you can do that. You can discover things. You can find new whatevers, whatever you want. But even with that, and because the game is a little bit more like wholesome, less violent, whatever, it doesn't mean you can't tackle like the hard problems. It doesn't mean you can't deal yeah. with things like we were talking about before with like the trauma without like dealing with um, characters or like different things like that. Just because there's that level doesn't mean this is just like a, and I quote, kitty game where nothing happens. You can have those moments to deal with that. Well, it'll just here's, let's take an example. You're fixing this person's roof. This woman is an elderly person who doesn't have anyone around her and needs assistance. And so you're trying to figure out how to help an elderly person who doesn't have any friends anymore because her only friend was her husband and she's the only one alone. Yeah. And how do you solve that? Because you know what happens when people, when elderly people are lonely. 
And how do you solve that? Or maybe you can't solve it right there, but you can try. And and that's and that's the type like you can put depth into things. You can also put silliness, but you can put depth into problems. Well, and you can also have another aspect of it is dealing with like a character who sees like, oh yeah, fixing this old lady's root that's like a waste of time and like dealing with like, well, why does this type of character feel this way it's like you you have to either be on like terms or like there's something in them making it so they can't take the time to help other people or can't take the time to have a quieter yeah. pace and dealing with their own trauma and things like that of like why does the world always have to be on fire for you yeah why yeah where's the benefit to seeing human life and to to recognizing the seeing those small moments of beauty yeah it's very important and i think i think that's great I think it's great. What I'm saying, Leah, is I want to deal with a trauma quest where you just have to help a character get over their, like, PTSD from an incident that happened to them a long time ago. And that's why, like, what you're doing is trying to show them the beautiful countryside and show them that life is beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's Most so of the things you. I like are melancholy and trauma. So let's get to it. I'm like, this is so, like, people don't realize how much this is Jordan in a nutshell and i love it i love it because it's perfect for you it's perfect and i love you, that you so say much. this as if i haven't already accepted this part of myself <laughs> oh, i know i know but i think that people might not understand like how much that's like screams you you saying that this is like that thing to deal with is i'm like it's perfect for you because de- look i've been dealing with traumas my entire life in Okay, we're about to get really serious and real real on this really real on this show for a second. I have some traumas that I've been dealing with my entire life. It is extremely cathartic for me to take the time and do it to deal with it in a creative way to form a story around it to get those thoughts and ideas out rather than just to sit there in my own brain with them. So, I like a game that allows me yet another creative outlet to deal with the traumas I've had throughout my life. And I think that's a good thing to have. Yes, I do lean heavy into the trauma side of story writing, but that's because that's the catharsis. It helps me deal with my own issues. And that's Jordan's therapy corner. I think that's why this is good. And that's why I approve of this, because this is also wholesome as fuck. Yeah, it's a wholesome way to deal with your shit. And I personally think Jordan needs more wholesome as fuck in his life because. Anyways, the other thing that I like about this is inclusivity. And we've talked about this on um, a few different episodes before is like by having the characters be anthropomorphic animals that helps promote inclusivity because there's not like a separation like in D&D. And jeez, oh and a lot of fantasy writings, there are assumed, um, assumed connections between certain races, like like the goblins. Movie, um, hold on, hold goblins on. are a stereotype. Yeah, goblins are said, but the movie like Bright did this especially heinous, where it just made orcs black people. Um, so like the, there is this like assumed thing where it's like, and still it, like it separates by race, but having anthropomorphic animals it doesn't really necessarily do that and it can be inclusive because it gets rid of the kind of preconceptions and things that we have already seen about certain races and i I think that's great like to not force us to 
live by a standard that many people have um, already created in their mind and let us just come up with how these um, animals interact rather than having a basis for it. So I, I think that's fun. Is that when you're doing your character creation, they specifically say, like, as I said before, gendered language. But I really like the fact is, is that these gendered languages, it's not... It's not he, her things. It's that, like, you're supposed to choose their both. Like, it's it's the idea that, like, this one is for the pilgrim. It says, choose two. You try and be two you've given up on. And there's things like patient, reflective, proper, unobtrusive, stoic, wise, healthy, and then masculine and feminine. And then there's other ones where it's motherly and fatherly or manly or womanly. And those aren't restricted to saying that you have to be male or female there's a very good spectrum of gender on here um and it's just traits of like however you define that and i really like that inclusivity of that too the other thing that i must bring up is that it fills that gap in my red wall heart from my childhood of like anthropomorphic animals in like low stakes fantasy settings and I think that's, like, if you were a kid like me, particularly, I think, many women who read Redwall or Warriors or, uh, what are the other ones? The one with the owls, which I can't remember yeah, the name um, of. Guardians of Gahul or something like that. Something like that. All those ones that were particularly popular among women, these book series that are, um, that are filled with animals that it's just so... Like, there hasn't been a lot of media that fills those same spaces in our hearts. And it's nice to have something that does that and gives into that and says that it's okay to do this. This isn't childish. And that, I think, is super important. I also liked Redwall as a child, but have since fallen out of the talking animal um, genre because... Um, of certain things that happened in my life we don't need to talk about them uh, but like I'm, I'm not the the biggest fan of it but i did really enjoy like the, the way that this was presented because again it was presented in a very and i'm gonna sound like such an asshole saying this but it was presented in a very adult way to handle talking animals rather than some of the other media that I know with talking animals, which is why I fell out of it. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. And the last thing I think is important, because we played this around the same time that the D&D movie trailer came out, and this highlighted this really, really well for me, is that, like, and that this is something also I got through TikTok. Blah! Um, thinking about was the idea that, um, that D&D, like, one of the so we all know we all should know i shouldn't say we all know most some of us who play D know that they consider the three pillars to be um exploration um role play and combat but really it was pointed out that there's a fourth pillar and it's camp <laughs> and and D D releases that lightheartedness through camp um and, like, it's so important and has become such a thing is that, like, even in a horror game like Strahd, the camp is real. 
like, hello, there's so many memes about D&D. It happens in everybody's things where people are like crazy shit players do. There's these funny moments. Like, it's just something that happens. And it's not like anybody who says their campaign is going to, like, they say that your campaign will either, you plan it and then it either becomes uh, Lord of the Rings or Benny, the music playing is either Lord of the Rings or Benny Hill. But usually it's Benny Hill. Because that's what your players decide to do. And that's okay. And that's what it is now. And you can see that in the D&D trailer. And it embraces that. Which is why I thought it was really cool. Is that D&D is supposed to be campy. And it has that moment. And this lightheartedness. And in this game. That lightheartedness like is the forefront. It's the most important thing. And it like. You aren't punished for doing it. And. You can have much fun as you want. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, a good closeout. I appreciate yeah. it. We really enjoyed this. We would give yeah. it thumbs up. And you should buy it. We give it two thumbs up. <laughs> I recommend buying the book because it's an indie publisher who does it and it's beautiful. But you can also get the PDF for really cheap. And yeah, do it. Because it's, it's just pretty to look at. Anyways. So, as usual... We close the show with um, saying what we've been into recently on, um, you know, in the world of nerd culture. And since it's been like six months, we've got so much to talk about, but we're only going to choose one or two. I'm actually going to pull an audible and say not what I've been um, reading on on um, that I put on the list. But I'm actually so I, I took a time to I've been reading the manga here and there, but I have not had much time to reading the manga Golden Kamoi. Uh, it's a very interesting manga because so the story is this dude after the um, it's so it's a historical uh, manga but it's um this dude after the Japanese Russo War is um, teamed up with the Ainu girl and they're looking for this like hidden um, treasure and yeah it's actually really cool and so when I was like looking up into this manga i saw like one description is like oh yeah it's like one part national geographics and the other part um pretty much ax- action adventure like jojo's ask manga and it's exactly that where the mangaka at least it doesn't do it as much in the anime but the mangaka takes time to um talk about and like give like fun facts snippets and all this like information about the ainu culture about different um japanese cultures at the time about um like just the the environment and like hunting styles all this stuff and it's like very detailed and very careful consideration of a culture that the japanese people have basically buried and it's very accurate the way that they describe it to the point where like the ainu people's like we appreciate this but also people coming up and like asking us to make them clothes in the style from the anime because the all the styles are like drawn as traditional style well they're like yeah you're not part of this culture please don't just appropriate our culture based off of manga but it is a very strong teaching manga like i've learned so much about their culture and it's very cool that like it's that detailed anyways that's cool that's cool i do have a question though yes what up i do i do have a question as someone who knows a lot about the ainu um and has been to several museums do they acknowledge the atrocities that the japanese government and people have done to the ainu 
not as heavily as they should. And that's what that okay. smile was for. Because it's like, I knew you were going to ask it. Not as heavily as they should, but it, it, it there have been snippets there. I'm not that far into it, so I don't know if they, if he goes into it further. But yeah, not as hev- heavily as he should. Okay. Okay. That's in case people do not, do not know. The Ainu primarily live in Hokkaido and the mm-hmm. most of the Northern Islands in Japan. And they have been subjugated largely by... The Japanese and considered second-class people and not given full rights until relatively recently and some of them they still don't have full rights for things and there a lot of not great stuff has been done to them yeah, um, as most cultures treat their indigenous people anyways yeah yeah which is funny because they also tend to the Japanese government has tended to fetishize the Joman people which they also then use the Ainu as the saying that they are the precursors for the Joman people it makes no sense. There's, It's confusing. But anyways, that sounds really cool, though. Yes. I really enjoy that. It's very interesting. I'll have to yeah. look it up. E. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, well, now I you have, get to close out the show. I have two things. Two things. Um, one is uh, this book that I just picked up um, called A Taste of Iron and Gold. And it's, I, it's a queer love story to men. Um, set in a, like, I want to say Persian, Ottoman-esque setting that has a third pronoun system in it, which I really enjoy. It's a very, it's very much like, it's a romance, it's a romance fan with slight fantasy to it. Um, it was pretty good. I got through it in like 24 hours, 36, if that, because I read it on a flight almost continuously um and yeah i really enjoyed it and it's part of this like there's been a, several books that have come out and i really happen to say my god if you like fantasy romance like let me tell you that like middle eastern near eastern historic settings and east and asian historic settings are just 10 times more just more than European medieval fantasy settings. More detailed, more opulent, more colors, more textures, more room for playing with what people consider gender and stuff like that and moving those things around. And I'm really happy to see people doing more of that because I also, the book I'm currently reading, a, um, a stubborn endurance i can't remember what the full title is i'll probably say it in another episode is set in a byzantine style setting very also opulent like beautiful and i think more people should do that also has a third pronoun system which is great the other one i have yeah yes the other one i have on this list is mass effect i plowed through the entirety of legendary edition um in like the past month spent way too much time on it um <laughs> romance garris um i had a good time i also understand why people were angry by the third game i strived for the best ending i could have and then immediately went to a fan fiction and read a fan fiction to give me a better ending yeah. um uh it was really good i really enjoyed it i see though why dragon age is better now that <laughs> like i like, I see how they improved on it with Dragon Age Inquisition, and I see 
I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the talking. I enjoyed all the intricacies. I also don't have the same cult-like following as other people do for it. It was a good time. But also, I don't really like shooting. And space is not my primary fun fun zone. That's Why did I say fun zone? Anyways, so it, it I get why people love it to bits, though, and can see exactly why it appeals to people, because it has that same discussion-based, and if you really like, like, roleplay where you're talking to people and building relationships, it's the game for you. I do recommend, though, you look at guides to get the best ending, though, because most of the endings in the third game are really fucking shit. Yeah. Me. Sounds about right. So, Yeah. But that leads me into the thing that I'm saying, so telling you people so that I actually have to do it, um, is that at some point I have now determined I have a plan where I'm going to play all AAA games that have major romance plot lines or subplots. Yeah. And then rank off series, uh, off season series that we do. (laughs) And then rank them. Like, not in a, like, systematic way, but, like, in a Eugene Lee Yang, Try Guys, Rank King Ray, where it's just, like, this is what I think, and you, whatever you think is wrong. Um, and, yeah, just talk about what I like and don't like about games with romance in them. Because I played, I realized I went through a list after Mass Effect looking for what my next game would be, and that I played, like, at this point, half to slightly over half of all the major games that make every romance list so might as well just keep going yeah 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 well i, th- I mean i think it's a good idea and i'll be there along the ride i, I do want like full reports on everyone one of the oh games absolutely play. like of course even though it's not my world i still like hearing about it and i think that i think you understand that <laughs> absolutely absolutely and you'll probably you'll everybody will probably hear maybe on the next episode about the game I'm currently playing um, and my thoughts on that. But uh, yes, yeah. that game. Interesting. That game. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Let's do the thing that like every TV show teases. Oh yeah. That one. <laughs> that one. That no, but one, this one was, game. this, this time was Mass Effect and the romance in Mass Effect is a great time. Um, Garrus is the best for many reasons. You think he wouldn't be because he, he's definitely an alien. Um, but, yeah, and the funniest moment, I will say this Bro, for no context. Th- we are showing the house lights. It's time for you to stop. Keep going, I, just There's one moment, though, that I loved where people on the internet, on Reddit, were like, oh, yeah, I don't understand why people like Garrus. I always felt like he was Shepard's best friend, and that just seemed weird to me. And I'm like, what don't you understand about people wanting their partner to be their best friend? Have you never been <laughs> like, your best friend before, guys? What's I'm happening? like, you poor, poor, poor internet guy. That's so sad because yeah, like, that's what you should been... always want. Yeah, what? It's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on a second. Anyways, um, okay, Anyways, you're done. You, you're I'm cut done. off. The house lights are up. You're not. You're done. Um, right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this was our show about Mass Effect. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk no, to you later. Will, thank you for I'm listening. I'm still we're, a Dragon Age Inquisition yeah, person. I bet. And we'll be. But we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're coming back. Well, I'm, no, Leo, I'm telling nope. people. I'm telling people about that they should tell their friends to listen because we've been gone for yeah. so long. We probably lost yeah, our entire audience. We're we're back. I will make sure we didn't lose our audience. We're back. 
We're Except we for my two have... friends who promised me they're listening. Oh my god, stop. We're back. Leah's done. We're back. We're going to be advertising more about it, but season's coming up. We have ideas. We just need time. So thank you for being patient with us as, you know, sometimes humans have lives. But we'll be back. We have a lot of content planned, and I'm excited for all of it. Thanks, yeah. and we will check you guys later. Bye! Bye! <laughs>